Welcome to One Cause Church. Here is another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Eric Holler. Praise God. How many of you are glad that you live in the greatest nation on planet Earth? We are truly blessed. And we certainly thank God for those who continue to willingly put their lives on the line with their service and sacrifice for our country. And one way that you can show honor on this Memorial Day weekend is to, at some point, gather with your family at a grave of, a, of someone who has served in our military. Um, at this time of year, they're all marked with an American flag. And go and visit there and maybe talk to your children about it. And whether they died in service or not, the fact that they put themselves in harm's way means a lot for us, that we can continue to breathe this free air that we breathe and live in the freedom of this great nation. So we just thank God. I thank God for them. So uh, along with your taking some time off and enjoying time with family and friends and church picnic, which is all part of the reason why they do what they do, so that we can breathe that free air and have the pursuit of life, liberty, and happiness. Amen, as free American citizens. So I'm grateful to God to be an American today. Amen. And I also want to um, congratulate, they're not here, Sean and Katie. Sean is uh, Pastor Carl Van Wise's brother. They just had a baby yesterday. The newest member of One Cause Church was born. And what's his name? Nash. Nash arrived yesterday, about a little after noon or so, right? So mom and baby are doing well, and she, she was talking about maybe being here for the picnic. We'll see, we'll see about that. She is the kind of woman that could do that, though. Um, but uh, I want to also take a moment to uh, recognize um, some individuals here in our church. Uh, a dream in my heart has finally started in our church, and that is to have a school, to begin a school where we train up leaders. And uh, so we just had our first uh, track of that. We had our first course, and, and it was 13 weeks. And these faithfully came every Tuesday night and uh, completed the course. And uh, our school is called SALT, Service and Leadership Training. And it's something that we start, started this year. We're going to be doing it annually, usually in the spring um, of every year. So I want to encourage you, if you're interested in that, that'll be coming around the corner you know, at the beginning of next year, you want to be involved in that. And what we're doing is just training leaders for life. You know, leaders in ministry, leaders in business, leaders in family, just leaders in life. And uh, so they wanted to take that next step and become more effective in what they're doing and who they are around and, and to be a great light and to be salt wherever they go and truly affect uh, their environment. So I just want to honor them today. We've uh, made some certificates of completion. So when I call your name, would you please come forward and just stand here? And we want to take a moment to honor you and recognize you. First, Mr. Eugene or Bud Kick. <laughs> Melinda's at work. All right, I'll get you hers in just a moment. Next, we have Mr. Carl Van Wy the fourth.
Yes, sir. Next, we have potentate Jeremiah Land. Thank you, sir. The great master craftsman himself, Leonard Brown. This old dog's still learning new tricks. <laughs> also, Austin Willis, would you please come? Thank you, sir. Congratulations. The great, what I call, Brooker T. Washington. Uh, Brooke Robertson, would you please come? Congratulations. Great job, Brooke. And the illustrious Valerie Foster, please. Our nursery director. Good job. Our worship leader, Madeline Land, would you please come? Thank you, Madeline. And Miss Melinda Kick, who's not present with us this morning. Oh, yeah, and our kids' pastor, Miss Pearl Van Wy. <laughs> the one and the only Miss Tawana Bolden. Where are you, Miss Tawana? Congratulations. Steve Bolden. <laughs> I had to remember I was in church, so <laughs> Steve's one of our prominent board members here. And last but not least, Mr. Can Do Everything and Does All the Time around here, Alex Ammons. We also had some others that were at the early service um, who received their certificate, and then some who took it online as well. So can we give them another great round of applause? Thank you so much. God bless you guys. Onward and upward. God bless you. Amen. Well, let's take our Bibles and uh, let's go to the book of Genesis. Today I've titled this message, A Rock of Remembrance. This is referring to the church of the living God and what that means for our lives, some truths about this rock of remembrance, why the, ch the church continues to remain as she is, to be strong in the earth, uh, to be a light, to be a beacon, and um, a place of refuge, a place of a new beginning, a place of healing and deliverance, salvation. Um, and a place where the Word of God continues to be proclaimed throughout the earth. You know, the church is the greatest thing going on planet earth. I'm fully convinced yeah. of that. Yeah. I'm, I'm proud to be an American, but I'm extra proud yeah. to be a member of the body of Christ today. Yeah. Because, you know, all of this someday is going to go away. When Jesus Christ comes and takes over, he's going to make it all rock and roll. He's going to make yeah. it all right, all yeah. good. He's going to make all things new, and we're going to be right alongside him. Amen. Yeah. So um, what God has started in, in the church continues to thrive in the earth today. 
And the church is growing and expanding and increasing in the earth. And I'm blessed to be a part of it. Um, we're, in Genesis chapter 28, some, some truths that we're going to look at about the church, about this rock of remembrance in the earth, is number one, it's a loving place. It's a loving place. Number two, it's a lasting proclamation. A lasting proclamation. And thirdly, it is a limiting power. And I will explain that in just a moment. Genesis chapter 28, verse 16. Jacob, the grandson of, Isaac, I mean of Abraham, has just had a dream. He's been on the run for some time uh, to escape his brother Esau, who was out to kill him. And um, so he's been wandering around for some time. He's begun to, to uh, start a family and began to increase and to prosper because God's blessing was upon him. But he was yet a little bit aimless. And so now he has this encounter with God in this dream. And he had this dream about this ladder that went all the way up to heaven and angels were descending and ascending on the ladder. And the voice spoke to him, which was God from above that ladder. And he spoke to him and he made the same promise to Jacob that he did to his father Isaac and his grandfather Abraham. And that is, I will bless you and you will be a blessing. And in you, all the families of the earth or all the nations of the earth will be blessed. And you're going to multiply exceedingly in the earth. Verse 16 says, Genesis 28, then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, surely the Lord is in this place and I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Now, what does that mean for you and I today? How does that relate to where we live today. Well, the Apostle Paul kind of brings it full circle when he's given some instruction to his son in the faith, Timothy, in 1 Timothy chapter 3, and, uh, or chapter yeah, 3, verse 15, he says, But if I am delayed, I write so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God. Did you see that? What Jacob was doing probably unbeknownst to him, was when he was declaring that to be the house of God, Jacob was prophesying about our day being the church of the living God, the pillar and the ground of truth. Hallelujah. So this, this, is, this is a rock of remembrance because at this moment, being, us being the pillar, then Jacob, look at this, in verse uh, 18, then Jacob rose early in the morning and took the stone that he had put at his head and he set it up as a pillar. So we see a, a type or a shadow of what was to come being the church, the pillar and ground of truth, and poured oil on top of it. And he called the name of that place Bethel, or Bethel, which means house of God. But the name of that city had been Luz previously. Being that it is the house of God, that this is a loving place because the scripture says that God is love. Amen. So the church should be the greatest expression of his love in the earth. A gathering of God's people where we can experience his love in our fellowship and our worship together and in receiving and hearing the word of God and giving to one another and being able to serve the purposes of God through the church. What it, what, what it once was being Luz no longer was. Now it is Bethel. Because of an encounter with God, everything changed. So when God enters into your life and you experience his love, that is the power to change everything for your life. That's why when you come into the house of God, when you come into church and you hear about the love of God, sometimes it's hard to grasp it because we have experiences in our life where we 
do things that we regret, and we've said things that we regret, and we've thought things that we regret, and so along the way, a lot of our existence is trying to forget that stuff so that we can keep moving forward in life. You know, maybe somebody's hurt us, we've experienced something uh, uh, tragic in our life, something that we did not expect, you know, maybe gone through a divorce or, or lost a job, you know, and, lo- and went, had to file bankruptcy, whatever it might be, just these things in life. And so along the way, you try to let go of the regret so that you can have, keep your hope in the future, because that's what God comes to give you, a future and a hope. But the love of God is extraordinary. It's an extraordinary thing. It says that the love of God covers a multitude of sins. We need that in our life. See, God does not have any regrets about us. He doesn't have, he didn't hold on to guilt and shame and regrets about the things that we've said or done in life. He's not caught up on our faults. Oh no, he has let forgiveness flow freely from him through his son, Jesus Christ. And he chose to love us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I don't know about you, but I need that power in my life because it's hard for us sometimes when we're just looking at what we've done to just keep moving forward without that stuff dragging behind us. You know that moment in life? You know those moments whenever you're going through life and all of a sudden you remember something that you did maybe 15 years ago. And all of a sudden, all that bad feeling comes over. Am I, am I talking to anybody here today? I don't know. Is this just Eric Holler's experience? Huh? You, and, and so you start playing that coulda, shoulda, woulda game, you know? If I could just go back to high school. Oh, God, no. Please don't let me go back to high school. You know? If I could just take back some of those years. If I could just get in a silver DeLorean and, and go back in time. But truth is... That's not where God is. God is in now. He's in the now. He's he's got you continually looking forward. Listen, I got a future and hope. Hey, okay, 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 you did that. Okay, you said that. Okay, future and the hopes up here. Forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forward to those things which are ahead. And the only way that you're going to do that, my family, is when you truly and fully embrace his love that takes all that away. You can't earn it. You can only receive it. Because it is what he freely gives. It's an amazing thing. The more you embrace the love of God, the more you experience his power to overcome. You experience his power to forget what's back here. It can help you in your most helpless situation. Any of you remember watching the TV show Emergency 911 uh, years and years ago? There was, just, there was one of those episodes where a doctor was recounting a story. It happened. That there was a young man by the name of Mackenzie Phillips who was a strapping young man, athlete and a half, a son of a football player. He had already accomplished great successes in football, in high school football. Now he's a senior And he already has a full-ride scholarship to the University of Arkansas. He's going to follow in his dad's footsteps and play football for their favorite university. He was so excited about it. He's the king. Uh, He's the big man on campus now as a senior in high school. And as they're playing a football game one night, the most unexpected thing happens. This healthy, strong, young, vibrant athlete of a man drops dead on the field. They didn't know 
that initially happened, they, you know, he collapsed, and so they run out to him and began to inspect him, and all of a sudden, they, there's no pulse on this kid. I mean, he is dead. They did not want to pronounce him dead in front of all of his classmates, in front of all those young people, so they quickly got him carted off the field, called for an ambulance, and got him on the way to the hospital and worked on him and worked on him and worked on him, and that lifeless body was not responding. They worked on him. They got to the hospital, got him into a room where they got some adrenaline and gave him a shot of adrenaline straight to the heart. Nothing changed. No response. Gave him a second shot of adrenaline to the heart. Nothing changed. No response. They kept working on him, kept working on him, beyond what they would normally do, thinking, this, surely, he's 17, 18 years old. This kid's got to come back. But Mackenzie Phillips didn't come back. 45 minutes to an hour into the process, they finally had to call it. There he is, laying there dead. All that potential, all those hopes, all those dreams, gone. And the doctor is telling this story, and he says, the next thing to do was to call the parents in to say goodbye. He said, so I went and got the mother, and she came into the room, and all that was there was just Mackenzie Phillips' dead body, heart monitor, flatlined, and mom walking into the silence of death. And as she walked into the room, she walked right over to her dead son. And she reached over and she took his big beefy hand in her little mama hand. And she leaned right down into Mackenzie's ear and she said, Mackenzie Phillips, this is your mother. Son, I love you very much. I know you can make it. The doctor said upon hearing that, the next sound we heard in the room was blip, blip, blip. Beyond all human ability, beyond any natural resource that this world could help with, now it was at its end and love broke through. The power of love brought that boy back, brought him back. And I mean all the way back to where he ended up finishing high school, playing football, and going on to the University of Arkansas just like he had previously planned. Because this mama and her love would not let that boy go. Let me tell you something. God and his love will not let you go. He's not going to get caught up in your trouble. Your trouble's not greater than his love. Your sin's not greater than his love. You're not too far. You're not too far gone. I don't care what you've done. I don't care who you are. Amen. You're not outside the reach of his love. Paul said it like this. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor principalities, nor powers, nor angels, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Here in the house of God, the church of the living God, here you will find rest for your soul. Here you will find healing for your body. Amen. Here's where you're going to find strength for your weaknesses. Hallelujah. Forgiveness for your faults and absolutely positively a love that never fails the house of God it is a loving place that's one of the things that is to be known and remembered about the church a place where you are not judged a place where you are simply loved now can we go to Joshua for a moment Joshua chapter 3 
The children of Israel are about to cross over into that land that had been promised to them through their father Abraham centuries before. They're right at the brink of it. And now a new leader has risen named Joshua. Moses has gone on to his reward. And now Joshua is about to take him into that land of promise. And we're going to pick up in chapter 3 and verse 14. It says, So it was when the people set out from their camp to cross over the Jordan. They had the, the Jordan was the, thing, the river that was keeping them from it. With the priests bearing the ark of the covenant before the people. And as those who bore the ark came to the Jordan, and the feet of the priests who bore the ark dipped in the edge of the water, for the Jordan overflows all its banks during the whole time of harvest, that the waters which came down from upstream stood still and rose in a heap very far away at Adam, the city that is beside Zaratan. So the waters that went down into the sea of the Arabah, the salt sea, failed and were cut off, and the people crossed over opposite Jericho. God brought them out of bondage by making a dry road in the middle of a sea, and he brought them into promise, hallelujah, by making a dry road in the middle of a river. Then the priests who bore the ark of the covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan, and all Israel crossed over on dry ground until all the people had crossed completely over the Jordan. Chapter 4. And it came to pass when all the people had completely crossed over the Jordan that the Lord spoke to Joshua saying, now watch this, take for yourselves 12 men from the people, one man from every tribe and command them saying, take for yourselves 12 stones from here out of the midst of the Jordan. So right, go back out into that dry ground uh, where the river usually is out of the midst of the Jordan from the place where the priest's feet stood firm. You shall carry them over with you and leave them in the lodging place where you lodge tonight. Then Joshua called the 12 men whom he had appointed from the children of Israel, one man from every tribe. And Joshua said to them, cross over before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan, and each one of you take up a stone on his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel, that this may be a sign among you when your children ask in time to come, saying, what do these stones mean to you? Then you shall answer them. That the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it crossed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. And these stones shall be a memorial to the children of Israel forever. And the children of Israel did so just as Joshua commanded and took up 12 stones from the midst of the Jordan. As the Lord had spoken to Joshua according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel and carried them over with them to the place where they lodged and laid them down there. What can we take from this passage of scripture when it comes to this rock of remembrance called the church. What he said, what God told them, the reason for getting those stones, that was your children are going to ask and you need to tell them. This is going to be an eternal memorial. When your children ask the question, teach them, tell them what the Lord has done. That is, this is to be a lasting proclamation, a lasting proclamation, one that goes from generation to generation to generation to testify of our miracle working God, to testify of our God who is more than enough, our God who brought us out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Hallelujah. This is what you do. You teach your children and you teach generation after generation. Just like I was telling the early service that if you come to one cause church and if you happen to be a baby, you start here. In this church, well, Miss Valerie, she takes that very seriously. And her and her team, as soon as they can get you to start saying words, as soon as you start forming words, she's going to teach you scripture. 
I mean, I've seen these little bitty babies. That amazes me. I, I, they, I didn't even know they knew how to talk, some of them. And she says, come here, Pastor, I want you to hear this. And she'll have that baby quote a scripture to me. I'm like, right. Wow. And they teach right. those children. They listen, they, they listen to the word. And then when the moment they can put words together, they get the word inside them. Right. And, then the, and then they grow up a little bit and they leave the nursery. And then they, then they go over to Miss Pearl. And Miss Pearl and her team, they're going to teach your children to have encounters with God. That you're never too young to have God encounters, to, to enjoy the, the Word of God and, and to, to experience the gifts of the Holy Spirit yes. at full volume. Amen. And teach them the things of God and, and to open up uh, these services and give opportunity for children to have their own encounters with God at these early ages to know who He is. And then, and, then, and then once they graduate from there, then they, be, they get into those wonderful teen years, all right? And that's when we say, Jeremiah and Maddie, can you, you, you handle that, all right? Pastor Jeremiah and Maddie, they're going to take over the teens, and, and, and we call it Thrive, and, and we believe that this is a thriving time for our, our children. It really is, because there's so much un- uncertainty as a teenager. You know, your body's going through all kinds of uncertain things, and, and you're feeling uncertain things, and, and you're thinking that they're trying to, you know, figure out their own way, and, you know, and, and trying to hear mom and dad, but also trying to make their own way, and, you know, there's that, that thin line of, of rebellion and independence, <laughs> and it's kind of walking the tightrope. And so they teach them how to be strong and courageous, you know, and keep that fire burning and, and to be a leader among their peers and to serve God that they can't have the Christian experience where they are right now and, and to take responsibility there and take them all into being young adults and, and uh, to teach them to be contributors, good, good contributors to society and people who lead others and to be good moms and dads and, and, and they get in over here in, to where we are where we believe that every age has a specific purpose and time with God. He's not waiting for you to get to a certain age before he starts talking to you. He loves you. The moment you were conceived, he put his plan together for you. And the sooner that you can answer that call, the sooner that you can connect with him, the better. We teach these things. It's a lasting proclamation. This proclamation is something that we must continue to carry on. This is why the church is still going. Now, she's had her troubles. She's had her trials, and she's had her difficulties. But the thing about the church that I love, because it is God's body, it is the body of Christ, when, whenever she's persecuted, she just gets stronger. Yeah. Whenever they try to squelch her, she just gets louder. Amen. Because this cannot be stopped. Because this is something God is doing in the earth. Magistrates and rulers have long tried to bring it down, tried to mechanicalize it, try to traditionalize it. But the message still continues to be proclaimed. Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and he was buried and he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. And whoever believes that gospel, whoever believes that message, everything changes. It's a new beginning. It's a whole new life. Hallelujah. A lasting proclamation. This year, we're, we're celebrating 500 years of the Reformation. Did you know that? 500 years ago, October the 31st, 1517, this German monk by the name of Martin Luther had enough of man's religious system, and he decided to do something about it by challenging the Pope to a debate. So he nailed a 95-point sermon to the Wittenberg Castle door 
challenging him to a debate because he got a revelation one day when he just kept going through this religious gyrations, just trying to be good enough, just trying to do good enough, and he saw the corruption that was in the church, and he finally had enough, and he came across this phrase that changed him and changed Western civilization forever, and that is, the just shall live by faith. That changed everything. And it sparked a revolution. Sparked a reformation. And eventually it did spark a revolution of the birth of a nation called the United States of America. Because as that message kept being proclaimed, generation after generation, it fell upon the ears of a man by the name of George Whitfield, who ended up being excommunicated from the Church of England for his crimes of extemporaneous prayer. It just means he didn't pray according to a script. He had the audacity to talk to God like he knew him or something. And so... He got on a boat and ended up on the banks of Savannah, Georgia, Georgia in 1738. And George Whitfield began preaching to the colonists of that time, freedom in Christ. And it so lit up the hearts of the people that the great Ben Franklin said himself that George Whitfield has so embedded in the hearts and the minds of the colonists the desire for freedom as to make a revolution inevitable. It was gospel preaching that lit the fire of the desire to be free. This message is a lasting proclamation from generation to generation. And I want to encourage you, do your part in this process. Don't be silent. Be courageous. Be bold with that message. The pressure is not on you to get people saved. The gospel saves. You're just the messenger. You just be faithful to give the message. And lastly, we'll go to one last place. Can you handle a little bit more? Okay. Matthew chapter 16. He said to them, this is Jesus, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Flesh and blood hasn't revealed it, my Father in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock... What's the rock he's talking about? Now, there, some people have made a poor mistake of saying that Peter's the rock, and Peter has the keys to the kingdom as he alone was the, the beginning, the first pope. It's not true. That's not what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying on this rock, that is this rock of revelation, that what the father, how the Father speaks to his children, he reveals things to you. That you don't get this through natural education. You don't get this from flesh and blood. This rock is God speaking to you. And upon that rock, I will build my church. Hallelujah. And the, watch. And the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. Jacob called the house of God the gate of heaven. The gates of hell cannot prevail against the gate of heaven. Hallelujah. Next. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. As I'm studying this out, I thought, wow, that's awesome. That's awesome. That's a limitless kind of power. But as I kept reading it and studying and meditating on it and praying, I thought, it's really, according to this text, it's not so much about a limitless power as it is a limiting power. That evil cannot do what it wants to do while you're here. Evil cannot prevail, ultimately, as long as the church is here. And as the church is being built, 
The gates of hell have nothing to do with it. And then he says, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose. That is, you have the power to limit any of the devil's influence in your life that you want to. You are more powerful than him because greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. That's what the scripture says. So you don't have to accept everything. You don't have to take everything. That's why you can stand boldly and declare, I am healed because he says I'm healed. And as it is in heaven, okay, well, how is it is in heaven? Everybody's healed in heaven, so I can proclaim that on earth and stop sickness and limit its influence in my life. Whatever thing that's taking away, whatever thing that's stealing, whatever thing that's robbing you, whatever, don't just sit there and take it. Amen. You stop it in Jesus' name. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested to destroy the works of the devil. That's what he came to do. And he said, now I'll give you that same authority. Oh, boy, the church, she's a powerful thing. Paul later on talked about that the Antichrist, that spirit is here in the earth. But there is an individual that will be the Antichrist, and he, he cannot do anything right now because there's something restraining him. There's something restraining this evil from the earth, and it's called the body of Christ in the earth. And as long as we're here, his righteous souls, his righteous people with a righteous message, it's not going to happen. But there is coming a day when we're going to be taken out of the way. And then he'll rise, he'll rise tomorrow, but he can't do anything. They're trying. That spirit's here. They keep trying to shut the church up. They keep trying to tell us that, that we're insignificant and that we're ancient and that we're not relevant to society anymore. They keep trying to tell us that. They can tell us that all they want. You keep proclaiming the word of God. You continue to keep the limits on the enemy in Jesus' name. It is a loving, loving place. Ooh, hallelujah. It is a lasting proclamation. And it is a limiting power in the earth. This is the reputation. This is the remembrance of this rock called the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of truth. So go in this might of yours. Go in the grace of God. I commend you to the word of his grace because it's able to build you up and give you an inheritance in life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Father, thank you for this time together. Thank you, Lord, for uh, the privilege that we have of living in the United States of America. Thank you, Lord, that you've made us free people. And Lord, we don't want to just take advantage of that. Lord, we want to be good stewards of the life that you've given us, the freedom that you've given us, to not use it as an opportunity for the flesh, but, Father God, through love to serve others, to serve one another. Thank you, Lord, for this gift of life that you've given us. Thank you for this day. This is the day you've made, and we will rejoice and be glad in it. Thank you, Lord, that you've made us all a part of the church of the living God, members of the body of Christ. You've set us in to the body at this time. In this dispensation of time, Father God, thank you that you have put us here with your purpose, Lord, to see your kingdom come and your will be done. Lord, help us to be courageous, to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, to not cower, to not sway, to not doubt, but, Lord, to believe, to believe and to stand and declare together as one, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord in the name of Jesus. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com. 